It takes more than pushing for design compromise and trade-offs and then closing all customer issues as works as designed to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 258. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers who like to... Design. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the design process. <laughs> uh, yeah, the trade-off is that it's done, but it doesn't work. Yeah, but at least I get to close that pesky ticket that's been hanging over my head. Yeah, you're trading off working, and and I mean, yeah, those are, it's like good, fast, cheap, um, and then they added another axis which is works at all, <laughs> and you pick two. Pick still, two. <laughs> you still pick two. <laughs> Work, works at all. It's not a very long axis. It's infinitesimally small in one direction and the other direction. It it's binary. <laughs> oh man. Uh should I thank your wonderful patrons? Go for it. Thank you too. Ira Chan, Eric Larco, Smiling Monkey Emoji, Jonathan King, testing his documenting.org, Adrian Bordink, Roman Denisov, Fizzbuzz Influencer, Oladapo Fadier. Garen Sveinson, Ragnar Hardison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Taras Haruk, Chris Hogan, The Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Kantar, and Philip John Basile. Thank you to this this crew. What do they call uh, Valhalla? Is that where the Vikings go? Valhalla? It's like the Hall of Heroes in, in Valhalla. Yeah. I think that's after they die, though. Oh, well, this one's easy. It's, it's You just pay money and then no. you get to go there <laughs> while you're still alive. <laughs> This is the group of folks who contribute to our Patreon at the level where we shout them out every single week. You can join them by going to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon, and you'll get invited to our Slack team where, hmm, what new benefit can I make up right now that we'll have to deliver? <laughs> where we 100% accurately predict the value of Bitcoin over the next six months. Oh, that sounds useful. The catch is that by joining, you have to sign away your right to buy Bitcoin. So unfortunately, it's not the path to riches, but it's the path to knowledge. Still sounds just like riches. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I also have a listener comment I want to read. I'm a new listener, and I was just listening to episode 27, writing great resumes and pushing back on non-engineering tasks. I don't know if the answers given really captured the experience of folks just starting out in their careers, especially from underrepresented or non-traditional backgrounds. For example, getting a job just through recommendations can be tough if you haven't yet worked in a professional capacity and can be a catch-22 for new developers. You need recommendations to get a job, and you need to have worked with contacts to get a recommendation. I think this would have been a great segue into talking about the importance of networking via meetups or contributing to open source to get your name out there with a the caveat about the economic privilege involved in having time to dedicate to networking activities when, say, you need to work a lower-paying non-tech job to pay the bills. While it was very valuable to know how the hiring process can go after a well-established reputation has been built in this industry, I was hoping for more insight related to the process near the beginning of that journey. Thank you. That's, uh, that's interesting feedback. So I was looking at the timeline episode 27 was in 2016 and that was before i was right now i'm right all the time i thought <laughs> i thought we had established that because you're aging you're now wrong oh shoot yeah well okay but i had a, a streak where i was right for a little bit just for this yeah uh, but it it, dirt, it certainly did not include 2016 yeah yeah, I, I I remember vaguely the advice we gave and i do remember this was back when i thought titles were dumb because they were just like I don't know, just the man, just busy work, just trying to like 
signal uh it was it was like lame to care about titles but it turns out it's not it's important for people and and part of what i have learned and grown or how i've learned and grown throughout these years is learning that signaling your experience and value is helpful and it can be more helpful if you have less like i don't know traditional markers of experience so yeah i agree with this thanks for sharing this feedback all right shall i read our first question yes please do Okay, this comes from a listener named Scrolly McScrollface. <laughs> okay, Scrolly McScrollface says, Hi team, love the show. Keep up the great work and congrats on 256 episodes. Well, that won't age well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Scrolly McScrollface continues on, I think I'm addicted to my phone, question mark. Every time my code goes to build or something I know I need to wait on, I open my phone and start scrolling. 40 seconds later, when the build is done, I'm still scrolling. In between thoughts, I also open YouTube in my tab fairly regularly. It's definitely gotten worse while working at home during these times. I'm surely not alone in the slipping of discipline. I've tried to put my phone in the next room, and that has some success, but I don't always remember to do that. Do you have any tips? Anything you've seen while managing folks? I love my job and I love the work, so I don't think I'm not engaged enough, and I struggle to see how a different job would engage me more. Oh, preempted. Yeah. Oh, how did you know to say that? How did you know to say that last thing? Like, listen, guys, I don't want you to just say the same stupid things you say every time someone asks a question. So I'm just going to say I'm not quitting my job. Okay. This is how we know we have a listener on our hands, like a real proper listener. It's been 257 episodes so far, and it's time to get some new tricks. Okay. Time to pivot. Okay. To my phone every time I so it's a mixture of phone and open YouTube in a new tab. That sounds like computer too. Yeah. Putting your phone in a different room sounds good. There's all this research. I don't know if it's all this research. It might just be that the case where there's this one paper that was done on like three undergrads, and then it sounds really fancy, so it got quoted in a bunch of news articles. But have you mm -hmm. heard of the research about just having your phone on your desk, even if you're not looking at it, makes it harder to pay attention? Oh gosh. I haven't heard that, but I'm not at all surprised. That's like having your phone on the table during a meal. All right. I found it in Teen Vogue. That was the first result in YouTube. So I'm saying this is the canonical source. Teen Vogue said that having your phone on your desk or in your bag can affect your brain power. Study shows. Oh, it's 500 students. Okay. Yeah. So this is a real study, not three undergrads. Okay. It was hundreds of undergrads. Hundred, hundreds of undergrads. This was in 2017. Undergrads were still millennials then, right? I just wonder if Gen Z is immune to this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Gen Z is the is oh god. They're the current current generation. Was the there Zoomers. A, was there a generation Y? There I wasn't, right? Because I'm Generation X. It's like XYZ. Yeah, I think you're X. Y. I'm Yeah, don't you know the alphabet goes X M Z? Right. <laughs> Um, Generation X, X to millennial millennials, to Z. and Zoomers. Okay, got it. <laughs> Did we call them Zoomers because of the pandemic and, and everyone using Zoom? Or was that something else? I don't think so. Okay. But I'm not going to Google. I already used up my one Google on the show. Just these these young people just Zooming around on their technology. Yeah. I I think, Okay. The fact that there was a generation that called themselves the greatest generation, well, that hold feels up. a little... Hold up. They didn't what? call themselves that. I'm... That moniker Come came... on, Dave. You really, you really believe that? You believe they weren't 
pulling the strings behind the scenes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. 20 years later, they're like, we need to hire an influencer yeah. to call us well, the greatest be, generation. Yeah, a proto-influencer. <laughs> <laughs> I think every generation should do that. So I think, I yeah. think the Zoomer, uh, it's too late for the millennials, but the Zoomers should start lobbying to have them be called like the, um, I don't know, the unobtainium <laughs> high quality generation. The shiny Pokemon generation. Those are super rare and good, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think we've just demonstrated how easy it is to just get completely distracted with anything. <laughs> <laughs> my phone is not on my desk or even in my pocket. It's on the ground behind me, but it's mere proximity led us down that tangent. Yeah. It's got this field that emanates distraction field. <laughs> the, oh did man, you say the 5G field. It's 5G. That's what it is. <laughs> is that what distracts you? Yeah. Those, oh man, all those radio waves just moving so fast. Let me just say on this question, I feel this question so much. <sighs> Do you feel it more in the pandemic? Oh no, this has been going for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I listened to. Uh, there's a there's an author slash influencer slash former Google employee named Tristan something or Tristan, I don't remember his last name. This is sorry, I'm just looking at Facebook here. Let me okay, I'm back. Anyway, <laughs> so wait, anyway. is that a, I can't tell. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, this guy Tristan okay. something, uh, he wrote a book. The title I don't remember. Okay, get all right. I I feel awful right now. I am. I live distracted all the time. Thanks to stupid technology. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't even remember anything. You know, there was a book written by a person. It has a first name. I typed in Tristan Google something in Google and it came up with Tristan Harris. Oh, I think that's him. Which looks like the right person. Wants to fix Silicon Valley's addictive something something. Yes. Yeah, thanks to Google. He wrote a book and I think also produced a Netflix documentary on the same topic about how you are in a war for attention, but you are not on either side of the war, you're like the scorched earth between the two sides <laughs> raging war against each other. Uh, oh, because no. what's happening here is, you know, these companies that want your attention to sell you advertising, they have had a decade head start on this problem and they've employed thousands of scientists and engineers to build systems that are designed to keep you engaged. Engagement, engagement, engagement is what it's all about. The, what we have today is the product of thousands and thousands of A-B tests which have led to what we have today, which is something that just keeps your eyeballs on the screen. So I don't know. I don't really know what to do except just give up. Because <laughs> I mean, it's, it is a battle. I'm trying to think what works for me. Being deeply engaged in a problem that I, that I am not blocked on helps me. The question asker mentions waiting for code to compile. Mm -hmm. And I think this has a technical solution, which is just, switch to an interpreted language yeah. so the code doesn't <laughs> compile anymore bingo i say that like sort of tongue-in-cheek but there are a lot of places where i sit and wait even though computers are really fast right now like our yeah. continuous integration step takes a long time yeah and if i do a task and then i have to wait for ci for the output that's like 10 15 minutes sometimes yeah and i can't just sit and do nothing but also i don't want to context switch so I cleverly solved this problem by context switching into Reddit, which is <laughs> context switching into context switching. Oh gosh. Then I'm lost. But if I'm yeah, if I'm like chewing away on a on a problem that gives me tight feedback loops, then Yeah. 
that's more interesting than whatever is on the internet that isn't that thing. There's something to what you're saying here because that tight feedback loop cycle also keeps me engaged. And I think that, you know, sometimes people go, oh, congratulations, you've improved your build time from five seconds to 2.5 seconds. Like, la-di-da, you save 2.5 seconds a few times a day for a year, you've saved yourself 20 minutes, whatever. You know, but the reality is 2.5 seconds is a gateway drug that takes you to Reddit, <laughs> which takes four minutes, <laughs> you know, or 20 minutes before you're like, oh. So, so yeah, like, maybe you're right. Maybe we should surround ourselves with tools that keep us engaged because they're fighting off the evil internets that suck our attention away. There's this, um, this is specific to the JavaScript space. I'll add it to the show notes, but there's a tool called ESBuild. So JavaScript is kind of famous now for having tools with sort of long feedback cycles. Uh, I guess long is in, in the minutes, but for a language that, that started off as interpreted, that feels mm-hmm. long to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And often you will bundle all your code together in, in what's basically a compilation step. Please don't fight me. I'm okay. abstracting over <laughs> complexity. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the standard tool set takes minutes to do this. And someone went and wrote a different tool set called ESBuild. And it can accomplish roughly the same task in below a second. And it feels uh-huh. like magic because you're going from doing a thing and sitting and waiting to it's just, it feels, it's fast enough that it feels instant. And, and I, yeah, it, it changes the type of task you're doing. Okay. It changes it from like a, an asynchronous task to a synchronous task, which yes. is much easier to handle. Yes. That's a good point. That's so I a good if point. you can do that without knowing anything more about the kind of work you're doing. Every time my code goes to build or something I know I need to wait on. Yeah. Jameson, you've done something really cool with this. Uh, was it you? I think it might have been you. You um, modified your Etsy host file on your computer. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. I have a bunch of sites blocked in my Etsy host file on my work computer to combat this because I had really bad muscle memory where it just, anytime I hit a new tab in my web browser, my fingers would automatically like autocomplete Twitter. Um, yeah. And it turns out that's not what I wanted to do <laughs> most of the time. But your fingers so that's sort did of the opposite. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's like, instead of reducing the cost of waiting for the current work tasks, that's like increase the cost of switching away to other things. That's sort right. of another in line with uh, put your phone in the other room, but you could do that. So for, the, for those that don't know what we're talking about here, there is a file on every modern desktop laptop computer and actually even old ones too called hosts and it's located in different places depending on your operating system but it's there and if you search host file in google you'll find it and it lets you specify what the ip address should be for any host name and it takes precedence over dns servers over everything so you can set the host name for twitter.com to the ip address of 127.0.0.1. And since your local computer is not running in a a web server, well, probably not. I mean, a lot of our listeners are probably web developers. But anyway, it's certainly not running Twitter. And so when you try to go there, you just get an error page. Yeah. And it's not that this is some unhackable, like airtight system to prevent you from ever doing this. I mean, you can just go change it again. It's more that that little nudge to say, oh, yeah, I at some point, I decided it would be a bad use of my time to go here. That's yeah. usually enough to get me over the hump. I also did a thing years back, uh, going on, I don't know, almost close to 10 years now, using an app that I think we've mentioned on the on the show before called Rescue Time. 
I, oh, haven't, yeah. I haven't used it in probably five years, so it could have, at this point, devolved into a spyware, malware-infested yeah. thing. I don't know. <laughs> it could be, like, the ultimate keylogger. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. Because it knows everything about every piece of software that you yeah. <laughs> ever switch to in your... So yeah. it could it could very well be. So this is not an endorsement, but the what it did was it kept track of how much time you spent with different windows in the foreground, and it kept track of their titles and, and stuff like that. So you could track things like, how much time did I spend on Twitter this week? And if you paid for the pro version, I think it would even give you goals and it would send you a weekly report to say how much time you spent on different things. And you can categorize tons of stuff like this is work. It's productive. This is entertainment. It's not productive, you know, and then you could come up with a report at the end of the week. And that that was really good for me. It helped me to have a bird's eye view of what I was actually doing with my time on my computer. There is an open source thing called Activity Watch that is apparently the same thing. Great. And I've also heard of people that hack this together somehow with like shell scripts that'll, I don't know, it'll plumb your operating system for details of what's running or what's in focus. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've done something similar. I did use Rescue Time, I think on your recommendation. And it was revelatory to see just how much time I thought that quick trip to Twitter or yeah. <laughs> YouTube or whatever actually was taking me. And it was a significant yeah. chunk in, in my worst times. Yep. Uh, now I take naps instead. <laughs> now you're well rested. <laughs> it's so good. I'm not joking. Like, oh. if I think I'm just going to do nothing on the internet for half an hour while I wait for this other task, I just go take a nap and then life is better. My day is better. And I know slightly less about like the dank internet memes or whatever, <laughs> but that's a fine trade off. And it's enough of a time commitment. I can't just sit down and take a nap in five minutes, right? I have to say, okay, I'm going to like yeah. power nap for half an hour. So yeah. I, I plan around it instead of just accidentally starting a thing that then stretches on forever. Right, right. That's impressive that you can go to sleep that fast. Uh, In half an hour? Yeah. Like go to sleep and wake up? That's cool. I'm always tired. It's like the... <laughs> you're like, the it's Hulk easy. Meme. It's easy when yeah, you're exhausted all the time. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm always prepared to go to sleep at any moment. Let me add just one more thing. And I'm only saying this because we got that last sentence in this question. I struggle to see how a different job would engage me more. Let me just tell you that I've been in some pretty disengaged jobs. And back in the day, I don't know, for those of you that were around for when Slashdot was the Reddit of the world, they gave you karma points for contributing comments and material and things like that. And uh, mm. I could I saw a direct inverse relationship to how high my karma score was on Slashdot compared to how engaged I was at work. And I did change jobs once, and my Slashdot karma score fell, just absolutely fell. It was great. Oh, did it decay? Yeah, it decayed. Uh, I yes. read Slashdot, but I never participated. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was whatever. It's like Reddit. The modern innovation is that your karma does not decay. You yeah. <laughs> strut around with it forever and and i've been in jobs where i'm not 100 percent engaged and i've been in jobs where i'm 120 percent engaged and i don't have a problem jumping onto social media or whatever or reddit and whatever uh, nowadays at my current job and it's directly a result of the engagement because there's always things i need to be working on also it depends mm. on what you do for a living if you work on you know single threaded tasks that are just one after the another sequential and you never context switch between tasks then i think you're more likely to have these engagement lulls or these little distraction moments but for me i work on a lot of things at the same time it's just the nature of my job right now and so there's always something i need to go give my attention to that's work related you know so i'm i'm almost never off on other things so part of the advice with 
Kanban, I think, is to limit work in progress. You're you're mm-hmm. not supposed to be juggling a bunch of different things at once. And I I believe they explicitly acknowledge that means you will have some downtime. But to them, they think it's it's actually still faster overall, even if you account for the wasted time of like being blocked on something. Yeah. Instead of just picking up an extra project that you switch to while you're blocked on the other thing. I don't know if that's true or not, but you could also just recognize the solution might be worse. Like if I pick up extra work to do instead when I'm blocked on this thing, then that might it might make my first task take even longer, even though my time might be used more productively, potentially. Mm. Maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you want that task done as fast as possible, even if you waste some time on it. Race cars use a lot of gas. That's where my brain is going. <laughs> okay. They're not very efficient, but they go real fast. So if you want this task done real fast, um, your your lines of code per times you open Twitter might be a little less efficient than okay. <laughs> a different task. I think we better move on to a different Yeah, question. I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going to read this question. Uh, this is from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, I am the underleveled engineer from episode 240, which was about being underleveled in the big leagues. And I want to provide an update and ask a follow-up question. I was promoted in this cycle, and because of my shyness, I used Jameson's favorite problem-solving technique of doing nothing prior to my review. <laughs> my compensation in the new level is also underwhelming. Or is it? Comparing my pay with some data points on levels.fyi, my salary is slightly below average. As part of my promotion, I have another equity award, and that is also slightly below average compared with the data points on the site. However, I already have an existing equity award granted to me when I started at my previous level. It is unclear to me if the data points on the site have taken into account for the internal promotion versus an offer extended to an external candidate. If I add in the previous equity awards and my compensation in this new level, then my total seems to be way out of band on the good side. Digging into it more, There are other sites and blog posts that talk about things like refreshers and bonuses. These are brand new concepts to me since my previous jobs only paid salary, even the tech jobs in middle America. Could you talk about how compensation is structured in the big leagues? And I assume we're not talking about baseball here. Yeah, where compensation has actually dropped a little bit, like yearly compensation. In baseball? Yeah, they moved to this. They're still breaking records for total contract value, but they're stretched out over more years. It's kind of, I don't know, it's depressing. Some guy just signed like a 13-year contract and it's the most valuable contract ever, but also he makes less money per year than some previous most valuable contracts. Interesting. Baseball's boring though. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about something else. Okay. <laughs> so big leagues referring to, I mean, are we just talking fan companies here? I think so. Yeah, giant megatech corps. Let's go have a look at levels.fyi. Hmm. So levels.fyi has Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, and, oh gosh, if I click the more button, there's a ton more. AMD, Carta, Databricks, Instacart, NASA. NASA. I haven't looked at this site in a long time. Plaid, Redfin, Robinhood, SpaceX, Tinder, Zillow. And the list goes way on. Okay, so this used to be like the Fang salary site, but it sounds like they've expanded quite a bit. Maybe. I wonder if their data has become useful. Yeah, like if you want to compare, useful. for example, working at Facebook or working at Kroger's grocery store, you can do that. or Macy's well so while you're levels.fyiing I'll talk about my experience with this which is similar in that before I worked at a giant mega company my compensation was entirely salary and then fake money in the form of options yeah I worked at startups and and they were always pre-public and and so 
I don't think I ever even exercised any of the options. So you just get a number of money that you make and then another fake number and that number turns into zero and you know how much money you make, <laughs> uh, which is the first number. Right. <laughs> the first number plus zero. Yeah, exactly. Or sometimes minus if you exercise your <laughs> options and then have to pay the tax burden. And, yeah, That's it's, right. Uh, oh, only st- stock options are the only form of compensation that can actually take money away from you. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but when I joined a mega company, I got a base salary. Uh huh. I got a bonus that in, in this case is fairly consistent. It's Some bonuses are very performance dependent. Maybe my performance is consistent. I don't know. It's been it's been consistent though, okay. um, based on a percentage of my base. And then I got uh, some equity grants, which vested over a schedule. These are not options, just to be clear. Yeah, these are stock. Yeah, that's a good call out. They're real money. The technical term that people should know is RSUs. So these big mega tech co's tend to pay you in RSUs, which stands for restricted stock unit. Whereas startups and other smaller companies tend to pay you in ISOs, incentive stock options. So there you go. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt with that remarkably unimportant fact. No, I like it when you add knowledge to my rambling. Because I don't think I even... Anyways, yeah. The other confusing thing is that for me, each year I stay, I get another grant of equity uh-huh. that then starts vesting again at a, at a four-year schedule. So I have some from when I first started, I have some for the first year, I have some for the next year, and they're all vesting on their own schedule. And they also all have their own, they they give me a certain dollar amount of equity based on the price of the stock at the time that it was granted. Right. And so the they're they're all worth different amounts of money too, because the stock has That's gone right. up generally. The, the good yeah, and you've been lucky that it has. Uh, the general have, um yeah. the metaphor that I like is that you you have like three or four trains on the track at the same time but they're spaced out, right? So your first grant is further down the track. And it was probably a bigger train too because it, it probably gave you more shares when you started. And then since the stock price has gone up since you started, then your next grant was probably smaller in terms of shares, but equal value at the time it was granted. Yep, fewer shares, equal dollar amount at the time it was granted. Yep. But you got lucky and it went up. Yes. And this, what you are describing, is a ver- is essentially how all of the big tech companies do it now. They offer pretty good base salaries in cash. And then when people make just a ridiculous amount of money, it's usually in the form of stock. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out that often as you get promoted to higher and higher levels that your base salary doesn't doesn't go up by huge amounts. But knowing how to value this is hard. Like I can value it um, in, and I don't know if they do this on purpose or not, but my company doesn't make it very easy to calculate the value. Mm-hmm. It'll just tell you the total value of all unvested equity you have all at once, mm-hmm. which can be a very large number, but that's not money you have yet. Yeah, and that's going to be paid out over years. Yeah, exactly. So so the way I try to think about it is like, how much will I get when it vests this year? Like, what will my what will my pay be this year? And then I have to figure out the size of each of those three trains and when they started and it feels like a word problem from middle school like you have two trains coming from opposite side and one is going 20 miles an hour and the other is going 40 and they're 35 miles apart and when do they meet basic grade school math is hard right. for me i think that's yeah. what i'm admitting <laughs> on the show anyways so i can use that to turn it into a number of how much money i expect to make this year that also yeah. depends on the stock price which is unpredictable unless 
you're part of the soft skills engineering Slack, and then it's perfectly predictable, but right. um, you're unable to act on it, sadly. So. That's right. <laughs> it's the Heisenberg Slack community principle. So when the question asker says, my total seems to be way out of band on the good side, yeah. I wonder if they're considering not the yearly value, like how much money they will right. get this year from what vests, but just the total value. Right, I think so. Because the, the way that the numbers in levels.fyi work is this. You add up all of the money that you expect to receive in the form of cash, stock, or bonus, or whatever in the calendar year, and that's your total compensation or TC. I've wondered about that on like Glassdoor or some of these other salary sites, because some of them don't make it very clear. Right what the number represents and and those numbers can be wildly different if you if you put in the value of the grant that you get over the lifetime of the grant yeah it's and you four just years include worth that of... as how much money you get in in that year then yeah that'll be a big number or if you don't include that then then it's very low number <laughs> yeah that's right I, I base my conclusion on what i see the majority of people do on levels fyi the numbers because what I'll see is you'll see like 10 numbers that all look to be in a similar cluster. And then you'll see one that's like twice as high as all the other ones. And you're like, oh, someone put in their four-year vesting value. Mm. No, that's how I conclude it. Or, we're all that, or that person has figured something out. <laughs> yeah, just the shrewdest negotiator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it is complicated. And I, I met several engineers in my time at a big tech co who were frustrated with the situation because it was just hard to understand. And and even after you got a baseline level of understanding, it was hard to predict what things were going to look like next year. You know, it's like, should I buy a house? Should I buy a car? I don't know because I'm not sure what my income is going to be next year. Yeah, especially if the price of stock for this company you work for is volatile. If it always goes up, then... It's great. Easy. Congratulations. Yeah, and like you, you know the floor and it'll probably be more. But if it is going up or down it's possible you'll get a grant and then it'll end up being worth much less than that if the stock price drops and yeah so it's it's easier to value than options if if these are um, rsus in a publicly traded company but there still is a little bit of risk to them yeah but stocks always go up so that's yeah not. gosh yeah knock on wood we're gonna rue the day you said that <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so surely i'll never rue the day i said that <laughs> Maybe you'll rue the day you said that second thing. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> I will never rue the question. The yeah, I think so. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, thanks for asking this question. Thank you for listening. If you want to ask your own question, Dave, what should they do? What, if they want to answer their own question or if they want us no, to answer No, if they want to ask their own question and hear us answer okay, it. Okay, got it. Just the standard, the usual. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just say You're saying just say what I always say at the end, right? Unless you're proposing a radical new model for the show live on the air, and then I'm all ears. I want to hear it. Okay. I'm just going to say the same thing I always say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go to softskills.audio and click ask a question where you can fill out our form. But thank you so much to everyone who's done that. All right. We'll catch you next week. 